Ahead, back and forth with Pacioretty. Now Stevenson kicks it in. It will count. Live from the Finley Chevrolet Fox Sports Las Vegas studios and live at LVSportsNetwork.com. From the draw, Nicholas Haig rifles it home. One-time shot from Haig. Vegas ties it 3-3. This is the Vegas Golden Knights Insider Show, your destination for inside access with the team, exclusive player interviews, and breaking news from around the National Hockey League. Here are your hosts, Darren Millard and Ryan Wallace. We are underway coming off a big win over the Detroit Red Wings. The Vegas Golden Knights have now won four of the first five of the six-game homestand, and there's something special going on at T-Mobile Arena. Uh, We are going to chat uh, to uh, somebody that's a very uniquely involved in tomorrow night's opponent, the Columbus Blue Jackets. Jody Shelley's going to stop by in just a little bit. John Shannon, uh, my good buddy, former producer of Hockey Night in Canada, uh, is also going to pop on the program. But here today on the uh, VGK Insider Show on Fox Sports Las Vegas, inside the Finley Chevrolet Fox Sports Studio, home of the... Here is uh, Jake Lassishan joining us uh, on the program today. Uh, Sorry, Jake. uh, uh, We have to get that out of the way because uh, sponsors pay the bills, and uh, I quite frankly enjoy making money. So that had to go before you, but I'm very glad that you're on the program. How are you? I'm good. How are you? (laughs) I'm very good. Uh, What was your woo like after you scored your first goal? Uh, Pretty similar to that, I guess. Uh, It was was, uh, probably a big relief thing. I was just really excited to see the puck away at that time. You know, some guys, when they score their first goal, uh, we get the camera on them right away, and we know that we can't use their woo because it's not uh, PG, or uh, the FCC won't accept it. Uh, but you, I know that was just clean and beautiful right right from the start, right? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, I don't know. I, did, I hadn't planned it out in any way like that. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, I think my uh, parents would be proud that I, I kept it clean there. Who was the first person you called after you scored? Uh, I called my parents. Uh, I had a lot of messages right after the game, and uh, before I even got to those, I called them right away, uh, knowing uh, they're back home in uh, Saskatchewan, so it's a two-hour time change right now. So it was late for them, and they were staying up to watch. So, uh, yeah, I called them right away and talked to them quickly before they were uh, off to bed, but they were uh, obviously really excited for me, and uh, I was happy to hear from them. Uh, what was mom's reaction? Uh, she was excited to see. I mean, she's super happy. She's been with my dad watching every game, and uh, I think they've uh, seen. I've had a few chances before uh, that goal, so they were just having probably they relieved themselves to see me score and and uh, just really happy. I think that was the biggest thing. What's your mom like as as a, like a hockey mom in in the stands? Because they they they're either like the the loud moms or the nervous moms or the like the cool chill moms. Uh, where, where does she fall in there? Um, I would say she's probably on the of those three. She's probably on the nervous end of things. Yeah. Um, I know when I was younger. Anyway, uh, she she'd probably uh, watch and be a little stressed out and. Uh, I think uh, over time it hasn't changed a whole lot, but she's, uh, yeah, she's uh, probably a quiet supporter for the most part. She's not one to get up and yell or cheer too loud or anything. She's a pretty humble individual. So, um, yeah, but I think she's got a little nerves uh, in her inside. 
Jake Lasitian's joining us on the VGK Insider Show with Darren Millard. Uh, is 15 your new favorite number? Yeah, so I'll, I'll take it. I This year I came to camp and I, I mean, previous years I had been 39 and I wore 39 last year with Henderson and Bersois uh, uh, came in and he was 39 and I think they just gave it to him right away and gave me 15. So, uh, yeah, I had no problem with it, and it's uh, it's been working so far. So I've, I've got no complaints. Was there a quiet exchange at all for giving up thirty nine with Brissois? Uh, did he get dinner? Really. He, did he get dinner or anything? Think, yeah, I don't think he really had. Uh, he he didn't really know that I had wore thirty nine before. So, and I mean, obviously, I hadn't worn it with the gold knights yet. So. Um, yeah, I don't think it was a as big a deal as some number changes you see, but uh, yeah, he's he definitely definitely thanked me for it. But uh, that was pretty much it. It wasn't uh, that big of a deal. Well, my new goal is to get you a, a nice dinner out uh, from Brassois out of this thing. Uh, do, what, what's your number? What was your favorite number or favorite number that you grew up playing and wearing? Uh, minor hockey, I, I wore seven mm-hmm. and nineteen, so those are my two numbers. Uh, I guess my dad. When he played, he wore number seven for the most part. And then uh, one of my favorite players growing up was Joe Sackick, and so was uh, uh, Jonathan Taves. And so they wore 19, obviously. So those are two guys I, uh, or I guess three guys I looked up to uh, growing up. And so I enjoyed wearing those numbers. And, I mean, I've worn a few numbers along the way, and if those two aren't available. But, uh, yeah, I'm pretty flexible with anything, really. Leading us off on the VGK Insider Show, it's Jake Lasitian, uh, the Vegas Golden Knights, uh, on a roll right now on this homestand. Uh, you met uh, Joe Sackick, all those legends, uh, when you were a kid. Uh, have you have you ever met Joe or run across Joe uh, since you've kind of become an adult? Um, yeah, just once briefly at uh, I think a couple of years back at rookie tournament uh, here in Vegas. Um, but uh, other than that, I haven't uh, I haven't seen him, but. Uh, growing up, I saw him quite a bit, but uh, he's, I guess, a close family friend. So uh, I know our families keep in touch. So I kind of hear about it through that. And but other than that, I haven't uh, seen him a whole lot. What do you call him, Mister Sackick or Joe, or do you call him by a nickname? Uh, I just go with Joe. Uh, <laughs> Not- try to be. Respectful, respectful as possible. <laughs> That's awesome. Uh, so, what, what do you think of uh, of your time in the National League? We're up to 15 games here. Uh, this is amazing. What's your the difference in your comfort level? Just going to the rink on a day to day basis, whether it's uh, a practice or to get some treatment uh, in and around the locker room, compared to at the start of the year when you first got the the call up. Yeah, um, I definitely feel a lot more comfortable than uh, those first couple. Uh, days or games that I was up with the team. Um, yeah, I guess at this point I feel very involved with the team. I feel like I'm not maybe just that call up for the odd game. I feel like I'm I'm here. I'm here to prove that I can play. And um, yeah, it's it's fun going to rink every day, um, especially with the group of guys uh, in that locker room. It's uh, it's easy for me to go and I can talk to anybody, anyone uh, if there's anything I needed or whatnot there someone is always there to step up and talk and so i think that makes things really easy uh for a new guy in the room 
Chatting with VGK forward Jake Lesition on the VGK Insider Show. Uh, I thought it was interesting when Paul Cotter got called up and he said that he was texting uh, all the time, trying to make sure that he didn't miss anything. Uh, wh- what's that like and what's the communication like when you get called up? Because there's different meetings, there's uh, different schedules uh, around the VGK side than the HSK side. Uh, who, who's your go-to to make sure that you're in the, in the routine and not going to miss out on something or, or miss a meeting? Yeah, um, I guess we have a, a team app that does a pretty good job of explaining where we need to be and uh, what time and uh, everything is that. So uh, that's all figured out. But if I ever needed to ask a question here or there, uh, I usually go to uh, either like Dylan Coughlin, Nick Hag, or Zach Whitecloud. Those mm-hmm. are some guys that I've known for quite some time now, and obviously those guys are all now very familiar with everything going on here and they've gotten some uh, good experience here, but uh, yeah, it's a pretty organized uh, group. So there's not uh, a whole lot uh, have to text or whatnot. So, but if, if it comes to that, those are probably the guys. What, uh, what was the number on the number of texts that Cotter sent you to, to make sure he was in the loop? Uh, I, I heard he said somewhere in the hundreds, but I, I don't think it's that much. I think he was texting me just uh, the odd question here and there, but uh, he was asking anything just uh, to clarify and whether what time uh, I should come to the rink, what time meetings are and stuff, and what to wear. And um, so, yeah, I mean, I was the same way when I got called up, just trying to figure out, uh, you know, want to be the, the odd night out for anything. So, uh, uh, yeah. I think it would have been, I think his, uh, whatever his original quote was, is a bit of an exaggeration. Did you tell him to wear the hat? Uh, no, I did not tell him to wear that. What do you think of that? I, I loved it. Is, are you talking, are you talking about, uh, his hat with his suit? Yeah. Oh yeah. Uh, I, uh, I was actually with him when he picked it out. So he was, he's day on that. And, uh, I think it's awesome that he already is, uh, got his own unique style, and I think that fits him perfectly. So that uh, hat sums up pretty well. Hold on here. So, so Jake, he, he went and bought the hat, especially for his his, his first game? No, he's, he's had it. Uh, okay. It's, it's new this year. Okay. That's great. Say, just clarify that, yeah. Did you, buy a, did you buy a hat, or do you, you're not? No, no, I didn't. Uh, yeah, I don't have... Uh, I don't have that in my uh, wardrobe right now, so I'll, I'll let him have that style. I'm, I'm wondering, I, I, like Sasky, uh, Sasky guy can't pull that off. Uh, maybe a cowboy hat, but uh, <laughs> not uh, not fedora. Uh, before we let you go, and thanks uh, for joining us uh, on a day off, you guys get to Columbus tomorrow. Uh, have you had your welcome to the NHL moment yet? Uh, you know, people talk about whether it's uh, lining up against somebody or getting checked by somebody or uh, you, you have a big moment uh, individually. Uh, I know you, you have scored, but uh, have you had that welcome to the NHL moment? Yeah, I, I would say pretty much every game you get to see a different opponent and that any team in this league's got uh, some player that you've been watching for some time. And so... Uh, I mean, my first game was Kopitar and Dowdy. Those were their top guys, and seeing them out there was pretty cool. And, and as you keep playing more games, I think guys like Zdeno Chara, who have had like, long, impressive careers, and Jason Spezza, um, guys like that. And 
uh, yeah, you just uh, have a huge respect for those guys growing up and watching them. And then once you're lined up and sharing the ice with them, it's a, it's a pretty cool moment. You just kind of are taken back by it and try to brush it off and play. But at the same time, in the back of your mind, you just kind of think to yourself, wow, like this is this is the real deal and this is really cool. So, um, yeah, I've had a few of those moments for sure. And finally, clear this up for me. Have you asked Dodonov how he knew that you were right there in front of the net for that uh, first goal? Uh, no, I haven't. I mean, I must have eyes in the back of his head. Yeah, I mean, he was he looking the other uh, way, Jake. Incredible skill. Yeah, he's uh, he's a very, very skilled player. He's got to be up there for most skilled players I play with. And I think every night you'll see him do something like that that'll catch your eye. And, um, yeah, I was just fortunate to be on the, the receiving end of uh, that that pass, and yeah, it was uh, it was impressive for sure. It was awesome finish. Uh, I know uh, the, this has been a whirlwind for you, but uh, I love getting to uh, to know you and chatting with you a little bit uh, here on the radio. Uh, thanks for doing this, and good luck tomorrow night as you guys try to win five of six on the homestand. No problem. Thanks very much. I appreciate it. Jake Lassician of the Vegas Golden Knights uh, scored his first goal this year. He's up. He's become so dependable uh, with the coaching staff, and they just lean on him. Last night, uh, knocking on 15 minutes, and that's uh, that's huge when you, when you talk about uh, a guy that uh, was uh, playing his way into the coach's mindset this year, and now he's up over 11, 12 to 15 uh, on a nightly basis. And, and last night especially, they rolled, they rolled their lines. They, they were uh, in trying to make sure that they kept the pace up, they kept uh, the pressure on the uh, Detroit Red Wings, and there was no let-up at all uh, against the Detroit Red Wings uh, with that uh, 5-2 victory, which now gives them four wins in the first five games of the homestand. Last night was a huge swing game uh, for the uh, the Vegas Golden Knights. Now, three games above 500 and making things uh, things happen in the Pacific Division. Chasing down the likes of the, uh, the Edmonton Oilers and the uh, Calgary Flames. And um, you've got uh, just wonderful performances from the uh, LA Kings and the Anaheim Ducks uh, going on right now. So, it, it, as much as, as what they're doing at 10 and 7 is impressive... It's also required not to get buried. Imagine if you were 500. Imagine if you were a game or two below 500. Where that leaves you in the Pacific Division, given the the brilliance uh, of, of Connor McDavid and company, what they've done. Uh, Calgary doesn't allow any goals, what they've been able to do. And then the Anaheim Ducks uh, overachieving. It's, uh, it's been uh, very impressive so far. Might be, might be Pete DeBoer's best coaching job uh, to date. With this ten and seven start, uh, let's slide over to uh, bring in the former executive producer uh, of the Hockey Night in Canada program, uh, John Shannon's with us now. He's uh, he's a commentator. He's one of us. He's uh, he's breaking news. He's uh, he's bringing us up to date with all kinds of different stories. Uh, John Shannon, how are you? Good, Darren. How are you? I'm good. You uh, you settling in for a, for a nice weekend of hockey off the Hockey Hall of Fame uh, inductions? Because nor having been there before. Uh, the the few days after the Ho- Hockey Hall of Fame inductions can be a little foggy for for the media folks. You think? Yeah, just. Uh, uh, I don't know what that. And it has nothing There's to so do with the weather, man. Right now, I mean, you, you, when you you know Tuesday nights and Thursday nights, there are so many games. I don't know how you keep track. And uh, and and a game. How about tonight, where you know we're used to you, uh, you know.
know, going to our local pizzeria or bar uh, uh, somewhere out there in Summerlin and, and watching some hockey while we uh, we have happy hour, but not tonight. Everything's at 7 o'clock Vegas time tonight. That's crazy. Yeah, well, that, that means we can get uh, get a head start in the strip. Get at it. When are you going to come down, down and, uh, and we can go out and, and, uh, and just lay one on? Well, you know what? Now they're, they're changing the, uh, the COVID protocol rules here in Canada. I can down, come down for three days without taking any tests. So really? The, yeah. As of next week, yeah. Hey, what, what are the COVID protocols to, to go to a game uh, right now in and around Toronto? Uh, you have to pr- show proof of vaccination. Mm-hmm. And you have to be double vaxxed. Uh, the, o- the only city uh, with an NHL team in Canada that doesn't have that is Edmonton, and you can get into a, uh, an Oilers game um, without uh, proof of vaccination, but you have to have a COVID test within 48 hours. Hmm. Are, they, are they testing the opposition's defense at all for uh, um, being amazed and starstruck uh, when they face huh. Connor McDavid? Is, is there any type of test for that right now? He did it again last night. Boy, did he ever. Against Winnipeg, which, uh, which, as you know, is one of the great, I think, one of the great secret rivalries, Calgary, or Edmonton versus Winnipeg. Uh, and and he, he did almost uh, as good as the, a job uh, last night as he did against the New York Rangers on that uh, 7-5 victory. This was one that tied it at one. It was one of those remarkable 120-foot rushes. He does it pretty well. Uh, Edmonton was kept in check very well by Winnipeg. So, what's that? What do you think that feeling is in around the the Edmonton dressing room, knowing that they played a perfect game and then still lost, albeit in a shootout? Uh, in Winnipeg, you mean? Right. Yeah. Well, you know, I think the bigger frustration for Winnipeg would be they had a four minute power play uh, late in the third and into overtime and weren't able to capitalize. That, to me, was something that uh, Paul Maurice will be looking back on and saying that's where we, we lost the point. Uh, what, what was interesting for me uh, uh, in that scenario was that for the longest time, for the first 15 games of this NHL season, all we heard about in Edmonton was how great the power play was. And it was the power play winning games. And last night, without a doubt, it was the penalty kill that won that game for them. So in the Pacific Division, you have Vegas three games over 500, but decimated by injury and somehow winning hockey games. Uh, and ahead of them, uh, Edmonton, Calgary, and Anaheim. Who's the best team in Alberta right now? Because they're doing it different ways. Yeah, I mean, Calgary's doing it defense first and obviously quality goaltending with Jacob Markstrom. Uh, and Edmonton's doing it for the most part with their their ability in the offensive zone. Um, it, it's it's one of those ones where I, I would almost say off the top of my head that Edmonton's a better regular season team, but you wonder if Calgary's not a better playoff team. Uh, but, you know, Edmonton, and Edmonton has had enough wake-up calls in the playoffs to know they have to change and play better uh, in the playoffs. So you have to wonder if, they think they can adapt. One of the biggest issues in Edmonton, uh, Darren, is, is that uh, they don't score first. Uh, they haven't scored. I think they've only scored first in 16 games six times. Um, and many, many times they have the ability to come back. Uh, but it's, uh, it's bitten them a couple of times recently. Uh, the latest one was Tuesday in Winnipeg where they couldn't come back from a 4 nothing deficit. That, to me, is one of the big concerns is, with with all the offensive power in Edmonton, 
and you and you guys will see this with all the offensive power at Edmonton is if they if they do not score first, how do they how do they come back? And some teams lock them down better than others. When will the talk that Edmonton needs to acquire a goaltender end? Never. Hmm. Never. I, I, I really believe that. Um, although, you know, Stuart Skinner last night, 46 saves, was pretty remarkable. Mike Smith's now on, on a long-term injury reserve, so who, know, who really knows how long he's out. Um, but I, I, I think that Skinner's play in the three games he's played recently, three complete games he's played recently, uh, gives them a little bit more of uh, more insurance, and hopefully gives them uh, some rest for Miko Koskinen. But uh, until until they <laughs> until they find somebody that they can say is comparable to a Leonard, comparable to a Markstrom, comparable to Jonathan Quick, uh, I I think heck com- comparable to Thatcher Demko in Vancouver. I think there will always be an outcry in Edmonton for a better goaltender. Right. You look through, and L.A., uh, Cal Peterson's been great, but Jonathan yep. Quick's playing playing really just uh, really well. re-energized. Uh, and and the, the Alex of Anaheim, John Gibson. Uh, yeah, Edmonton, you would say, might have the most question marks in goal, yet they're in first place. Yeah, they are. But because I, I think... People have underrated how well Miko Koskinen has played for them this season already. He's played very, very well. Um, there is there is a lack of confidence, even when he's playing well, that Koskinen uh, can do the job. You know, this is this is three years in this new contract, and and, and the last year of, of this contract, uh, where people think that every once in a while there's just one of those ugly goals that goes in. Again, we saw one on Tuesday night uh, in Winnipeg, and that's why there's always that doubt, that, that uh, lingering doubt about whether there's good enough goaltending in Edmonton to, to win in the playoffs. John Shannon's chatting with us. Uh, what's the perception of the performance by the Golden Knights from outside the Valley here? Well, I mean, I, I think there's always, quite frankly, I think there's always a little bit of jealousy. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, Mark Stone and, said that the other day. No, nobody's going to feel sorry for the Golden Knights because no, of the injuries. No, I think there's a bit of jealousy. Is that you know that uh, George and Kelly and Mr. Foley always seem to be able to go out there and do what every other franchise wants to do, uh, and whether it was you know Mark Stone or, or Max Pacioretty or last year Alex Petrangelo, uh, and 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 this year it's it's Jack Eichel um, that this team is. Always on the on the uh, the cutting edge of trying to improve the roster, trying to make it more prolific, trying to keep uh, you know a very rabid fan base excited about going deep into the playoffs. Uh, and uh, I, I I think jealousy is actually a pretty good word. That how come they can do it and we can't? Uh, I think there's an outcry of that around the National Hockey League. And I was thinking, with all the injuries, people were probably waiting for uh, this franchise to really struggle, and it hasn't happened. Uh, I, I watch it every night, and I can't believe what's what's occurring and what they're being able to overcome. I'll tell you what, let, let me let me throw this out there. I, mm-hmm. I, I truly believe, uh, and I'm one of those guys that doesn't like talking about trophies uh, this early. Um, that, to me, I leave to the guys on websites that have nothing else to write about and don't know what to write about. Zing. But... Um, 
Alex Petrangelo is a is is an to me an amazing player, and and I I can't believe now based on what I what I've seen this year and knew, know how well he played last year at times that he wasn't deeper into the conversation for the Norris Trophy. Um, and I, I and not only that, I mean let's remember you know the offensive numbers and how much of the offense comes from a guy like Petrangelo uh, for the Golden Knights, and that's what makes him such a weapon. He's a great defender, a great teammate, um, offensive skill that, you know, key goals at key times or key assists at key times. To me, he's the real deal. And, and you know, I, I think we, you know, I think the, the Golden Knights and the guys in the office better start that Petrangelo for Norris Trophy campaign sooner than later. Well, you know, it was almost like they split the vote last year between Theodore and Petrangelo. And Potentially, I, yeah, you're right. And I think that, but I, I'm with you. I think the narrative's changing. Well, I, I tell you what. Even last night, you, you noticed the little things with Alex. Is that when uh, when Dylan Cogman got uh, hit with that puck uh, and, and late in the period, trying to get to the bench. Who yes. was the guy that was reaching over the, to try to grab him and pull him over the bench, and then and then you know rub his head and say, "Hey, keep going, keep yeah. keep doing it." It was that's what Alex Petrangelo does. He's he must be a great teammate to play with. It was like he was pulling a tuna in, <laughs> well, into the boat. Hold on, well, I'm, is that a comment about how big Coglin is? No, or? it's like you know, you you get the the fish up to the big tuna up there, and everybody's grappling to try and get it yeah, on board. Know, it was, but it was fascinating to see. Yeah, and and then there was another because you as a as a former television producer uh, love those those shots where he was on the bench and he was talking to uh, White Cloud and Hag uh, like laughing uh, and having such a great moment of of um, looseness in the middle of a you know, national he's hockey one league of those game. Guys, Darren, I, I, I true, and I, I, you know, I remember seeing him in Traverse City uh, at uh, the rookie tournament years ago when he was a St. Louis prospect, uh, and you could see it you you could see it then. Uh, but I, I, I think Petrangelo takes so much joy um, in his teammates, and particularly his, his fellow defensemen, thriving. I, I think that's part of what makes him such, such a great player, is that his, his belief not only in his own uh, performance, uh, but his satisfaction and his enthusiasm for the guys around him. You do the podcast with Bob McCowan, the Bob McCowan podcast, and we'll, uh, we'll end it here. If you have a chance to, to get Alex on, it will be your longest episode yet. And I know that you guys are on Sirius and you're on, on the radio there and you're kind of constricted time. You will do an extra one because he is a fascinating individual to talk to. And well, some people we like to talk to, some people we like to pick our brains, some people are entertaining. Uh, he, he is everything all in one beautiful discussion. Well, he, I mean, to me, when you, when you do what he's done and you've been a captain of a Stanley Cup champion and, uh, and then have a... Uh, have the uh, fortitude to move away from that club that tells you that you're uh, you're confident in what you do on and off the ice and uh, and you can see it every time he puts the skates on. Um any uh, other guests that you want me to book uh, you just let me know, okay? Well, I mean you you, you might become the associate producer on the show then. <laughs> Cuz I know I'm talking to the producer right now. <laughs> Nobody's supposed to know that. That that's what's yeah. happening. Uh is there anything you want to ask uh, Chapman? Uh is there anything you want to chime in here with John but while we have him? No. Okay. No, we're good. See, see, no, you, you didn't ask me with Jake. I, 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 but oh, you, oh, he's sour because I didn't let him ask a question to <laughs> no, Jake no, Lecician no, when I, he was on. No, no, no. But I, I want to say that you actually asked the question that I, I was going to ask, which was obviously about 
Paul Cotter style and mm. and yeah. the fedora and and well, John's got style too, and uh, and John oh. is uh, is one I, of my. I, hold on, hold on, hold on. I, I don't know anybody that looks at me and says, "Man, does that guy have style?" I, I don't. I don't think that's the case. Well, I like hanging out with John because people look to me and say, uh, "You got better style." Uh, <laughs> yeah, there John, you go. John, uh, uh, who's on the uh, on the show today? And uh, gives a plug for the Bob McCallum podcast. Well, first of all, if if you want to know more about Jack Eichel, we had Pat Brisson, uh, Jack's agent, on last week, and it was a phenomenal fifty minutes. Uh, a little behind the scenes of how the trade came through and and what Jake, what uh, Jack is. Had to go through. It was a from the time that he changed agents. It was a, it was a phenomenal one. So, so Pat Brisson, we did a little a bit of an autopsy on what's going on in uh, uh, Vancouver and Ottawa. One with uh, a bad team and one with a bad outbreak of COVID. So it's it, it's a good it's a good show today. I think I laughed a lot on this show today. I like it when you laugh, <laughs> and, and then you get you get Bob all flustered because you have these little. Jabs and and pokes. I I, I quite enjoy it. I, well, I, you know, but Bob Bob claim, claims to be a Las Vegan. You know, I know he claims to be, and and, and how and, and I think for some reason I think he actually thinks he invented Summerlin. Yeah, you know, he thinks he was the first mayor of Summerlin. I, I don't understand that. And yet, when I go to Vegas, and Summerlin's not even a city. Bob account is. Yeah, so but it's, okay. it's it's not even a city. And he he's like, ah, I know everything about. Uh, I haven't seen one sign for Bob McCown while I'm down here. And, well, and, no, and, and, and of course, his best friend in the world is George McPhee. Hmm. Yes, well, that's because of you. <laughs> Uh, yes, you, when you guys have George on, it's uh, it's always I always go by and tell George that is uh, that is a side of the NHL executive that is so cool because he's so comfortable with you guys, and that's a credit to to the two of you. Uh, we got to fly here, but uh, thanks for stopping by. Uh, I talk to you multiple times a week, but never uh, not very often on the radio. So uh, thanks for keeping it clean for us. Just an honor to be, uh, you know, in Macomb County. <laughs> you are such a beauty. Hey, have you watched CSI Vegas the the reboot? No. Oh, it's good. They were out in Red Rock. Uh, there was a bad, uh, nasty scene out in Red Rock. And I'm like, I know that place. Are they actually filming it in Las Vegas yes. this time? Because the last show, the last one they did, they did like 90% of it on a set in Los Angeles. And very, very little was actually done in Las Vegas. While they were out in Red Rock. Oh, that's cool. That means they're, that means they're filming here? Unless they were on a soundstage. Hey, hey, hey like guys. Red yes. Can I go now? Yes, yes. Sorry, sorry, John. Yes, yes. I didn't hey. want to interrupt. It was going so well, but I, you know, I, you know, you guys are paying the long distance. Oh, that's awesome. Uh, be well, JS. See you later. Have a good weekend, everybody. <laughs> you too. There's John Shannon. When we uh, come back, we're going to chat with uh, Jody Shelley, analyst with the Columbus Blue Jackets. What are we going to see tomorrow night in the Columbus Blue Jackets? What a wild couple of uh, years for that franchise. I should have asked uh, John about John Tortorella. Uh, maybe we'll get into that with uh, with Jody Shelley. It's the VGK Insider Show on Fox Sports Las Vegas. We're back to the Vegas Golden Knights Insider Show on Fox Sports Las Vegas, 98.9 FM and 1340 AM. Good idea. Back up with... Bob McCown Podcast and listen to that uh, episode that John and Bob had with Pat Persson walks you all through the journey uh, that Jack Eichel took from the uh, the Buffalo Sabres and then uh, into uh, the trade with the Vegas Golden Knights and his arrival here and then just right up to surgery. So it's a, a really cool look through the uh, the lens of the agent in Pat Brisson. Vegas Golden Knights without Jack Eichel, without a few people uh, right now, but uh, managing to put up double-digit totals in victories. 10-7 and seven on the year, including winning four of the first five of the six-game homestand. They'll wrap it up 
tomorrow night. Uh, two weeks at home, and they will finish it off against the Columbus Blue Jackets. And here's their television analyst, uh, my buddy uh, Jody Shelley, who joins us now. Uh, how are you doing, pal? You, welcome to Vegas. Hey, how am I doing? Exactly. I'm in Las Vegas. I'm doing great. Um, yeah, how about you? How are things going? Oh, we are uh, loving life. Like, this has been the most interesting year uh, because I was watching practice the other day, and I said to somebody, it's it's odd that you get to mid to late November and you're watching practice and you're watching your own team and you're still double-checking in your mind what those numbers are to the names because they've had so many yeah. people come through and call-ups and, and kids uh, playing uh, not in their first games, but now their first 10 games, 15 games. So uh, we had Jake Lasition on uh, just a little bit uh, ago. Uh, kids just cutting their teeth uh, because they have to. and it's uh, But they're, they're, they're finding a way to be successful. You ever been on teams like that where, where just you're, you're on a grind of, of going through bodies, but you're managing to, to keep your head above water? Yeah, yeah. I think the earlier is with Columbus. I think there was one year where we might have had over 50, uh, 50 guys in the big club. You know, wow. it was not just injuries, but it was an expansion team in year four or five where, you know, they're trying to find the mix. And when you lose, you know, you expect changes. So we went through that quite a bit. And, you know, when you're in the locker room, you just kind of show up, happy to see your jerseys hanging there, and then try to be a part of the solution. And that's obviously what not just the, the Golden Knights are doing, but a lot of teams around the league are saying, okay, and maybe we've, we've learned to deal with that, though, Darren, the past year and a half with what it's kind of like, you know what, this is what we're dealing with, make the most of it. And, and you see a lot of teams doing that. Uh, your, your team's been successful. Uh, one last couple. What's, what's been the, the secret sauce to Columbus this year, given that there's been such a transition over the last hmm, probably 27 months with the franchise? You know what? From the outside, this is a completely different team. Um, when you think of some of the veterans who have left, uh, Nick Foligno, the captain, Cam Atkinson, David Savard, I mean, the list is long, uh, and it's kind of those guys that when you think of Columbus, you used to think of John Tortorella and those defined guys, Seth Jones. And when you move those guys out, you still, you know, once you get to camp and once you see these guys get into it, you hear the quote saying, yeah, you know, we're not buying into this the whole dialogue of uh, this is a rebuild. And you hear Zach Wierenski say, you say, okay, you know, that's, that's good as an athlete. But when you look around the room, Boone Jenner has been here for eight years, uh, his entire career. Zach Wierenski's in his sixth year. Uh, then you have good goaltending that has been here. And, and I think that the John Tortorella effect is still here. Uh, I really do. But I, I think that these guys that have been in place for the change of the accountability, uh, really learned a lot and how to win games. And, and the whole mantra with Torts was find a way to win. And, and so now you bring in young players like Jake Bean, uh, Cole Sillinger, who's 18, and it's seamless. And so I think, honestly, they have enough skill to have confidence in every single game that they're never out. Plus, they like their goaltending. Their power play is now pretty good. Uh, so the areas of... of um, there's some real important areas, and they have confidence in them, and that's why they have uh, have had a great start to the season. Jody Shelley chatting, chatting with us, uh, the, the color analyst on the Columbus Blue Jackets uh, television broadcast. Uh, I love Torts, and, and I've had some great conversations with him, but I'm wondering, with him deciding to move on, does it open up an opportunity for some of these players to just grow uh, a little bit more and, and have more of yeah. a voice? Well, I'll tell you this. Patrick Line showed up in game one with a pair of really skinny shades 
and uh, a purple suit. And I, I don't think you would have seen that last year with Tort. So, uh, yeah, I think there is, you know, and, and I love John Tortorella. Yeah. I love him as a coach when I played for him in New York. I love him what he did to the organization. I love talking to him. I love being around him. And, and you're the same way, Darren. Anybody that knows him feels the same way. But, yes, I agree that there is a post-Torts factor. But I think the great thing is Brad Larson, the head coach, is uh, he learned from Torts, but he's not, he's not Torts. Uh, so he learned from him. He also wrote a lot of stuff down, and he's been very good in a lot of situations with many of these players. And, um, I watch him on the bench when I'm between the benches, and he's a lot of pat on the backs, a lot of nice tries, a lot of, you know, I know you knew better than that. And, and I think that goes a long way with this group. So uh, the youngest team in the National Hockey League to start the season, the Columbus Blue Jackets, uh, it's been that way for a while. Uh, but but I think you're right. I think there is a little bit of a um, – there's more breathing room here for some of these guys, and I think that's good. And and to follow up on Torch, he had to change the culture here, and yeah. you know that. Yeah. Uh, and he did it, uh, and, and it's not always uh, an easy job, but he did it very well. It's, it's, it's almost like both are perfectly timed. Like he had to come in and he had to establish some, some boundaries for everything. But – uh, to to grow and evolve, you you have to remove some of those borders. Yeah, exactly. And, and he said, you know, uh, I mean, right from day one and right to the day he left, he said, uh, you know, accountability. People like to throw it around. People like to think they can do it. Uh, but really, when you do it, it's it's a lonely process. He said, you know, you're doing things that don't make sense a lot of the time, but it's always for the best of the team. Uh, and he did it to a T. I mean, he did not stray, uh, not a, a hair outside of what he what he had to do. Uh, and he stayed, as he would say, dead on in the process. And I tell you what, it helped this organization grow. Organizations that's been in the league for 21 years now, uh, they needed that in year, uh, what was it, 16 through 21. Were, were you an original member? I got called up from the Syracuse Crunch yeah. uh, the second half of year one. So it was 2000, 2001. I went to camp in 2000, and then I got called up in February on February 17th, 2001, for one game. Uh, so that was my debut, and, and so I would say yes, kind of. Well, you were before the cannon even got there. Oh, well before the cannon. I never experienced the cannon on the ice there. No, no, I didn't experience it. Just as a broadcaster, and it still gets me every time. <laughs> Well, you know, Doug, I should tell you, Doug McLean uh, like loves you, uh, the former general manager and president, uh, and at times coach of the Columbus Blue Jackets. Like he absolutely adored you because you were a gamer and you're you're a good guy. Like you could kind of corral the guys and, and guide them in, in in the right direction. Uh, what, given that you were around the first few years, and then you look at what Vegas done, year number five, and and uh, still making hay despite the injury depleted. Like you must look at. Uh, and go, why couldn't I be part of that, even though you got your opportunity with Columbus? You know what? I love Doug McLean, too. i got to tell you that. He was such a good guy to me, and, and uh, he was in a tough spot where two expansion teams the same year, I know, you know, those are, those are real things. Um, I marvel at, uh, at what's going on here. First of all, what took so long to get a hockey team in Vegas? Exactly. Man, this city is incredible. Oh! It's amazing. Uh, everyone loves to come here, and, and then to have such a great team uh, right off the bat, well-deserved with uh, how they came into the league. They just they did it right. They, they've really done a nice job of establishing what it is, and, and their ownership wants to win immediately, and I think that's part of 
they did a great job with the process. You even saw Seattle. I mean, Vegas changed the process. They did so well. So um, I love what they're doing. I wasn't sure what was going to happen this season. I thought Flurry was going to be a big – I mean, I know he was a big part of it. Just from afar, mm-hmm. a culture standpoint, to get a guy like that to come in and be the guy. Uh, but to obviously have a great coach, uh, wonderful goaltending, and then guys that really feel the pressure of the market. Which You, you know, when you think of pressure, you think Montreal, uh, New York. But I feel the pressure here. I mean, honestly, I've been here for 24 hours. Almost every dealer at the blackjack table, not that I've been to many of them, but they all love their Golden Knights. It, it's, a, it's a real pride of this city. So uh, it's great to see it's exactly how it should be. Well, the uh, poker uh, table, if you buy one of those, they're all in. Like the, it's, it's Stanley. They are. Uh, uh, that, that's going uh, their way. You guys are the youngest teams. Give me uh, the, the Coles notes on what we're going to see tomorrow night from your club. Well, you're going to see a team that works hard, a few too many turnovers, but they have enough swagger to think that they can win any game, and I think they have enough talent. Uh, their goaltending is good. A guy named Elvis in net, who I don't know if he's going to play tomorrow. Uh, you think he would at center stage in, in Las yeah. Vegas, Nevada, uh, but you might see Corpus Alba. But what they are is young. Uh, they play hard. They don't. Every team that plays against the Blue Jackets, uh, they take a bite out of them. Uh, you know, their back check is extremely hard. They don't defend. They check to get pucks back. Uh, so it's it's going to be an entertaining game. And, and you know, their their uh, their power play is pretty good. So Zach Wierenski's a star. He's a guy who plays over 26 minutes. He's a left-shot defenseman on the top pair. And then watch Cole Sillinger. He's 18 years old. He's been uh, He turned 18 in August. Uh, he plays 16 minutes a game, and if you're watching him, you would be you would be amazed that he's only 18 years old playing uh, in this league. So a lot of good things, but they play fast and they play hard. Yeah, you know, I, I I just thinking right now, thinking of you between the benches, and you're talking about uh, Larson and uh, and watching him. Uh, I'd love to have you and Shane Knighty both between the benches tomorrow night. I don't know whether you are or not, or whether Shane's down there, but uh, you guys are two of the best in the business. But you get, you may not have time to do the broadcast because you got to be chatting with each other. Yeah, I love him. I think he does a great job. I love when he does the international stuff, too. Mm -hmm. He's got a great take in it, and I just like his cadence. He's a... He's a fun listen, isn't he? You guys are lucky here in Vegas. Yeah, we are so lucky with Dave and Shane and uh, and uh, oh, you guys. I mean, everyone around here. You guys do a great job. We uh, we have fun, and uh, it's been uh, really cool. We had the uh, UFC heavyweight champion on the pregame show the other night. Uh, we had Derek Stevens from the D right. Hotel. Like we, uh, you you never know who's going to stop by the desk uh, on a pregame show in Vegas, including you. I can't wait to uh, see you tomorrow. Give you a big hug, and uh, and thanks for doing this today. What do you what what do you have to tonight in in Vegas? What do you uh, what are you going to? Well, uh, my brother came in town, oh, right? Good. So you know how it goes, right, yeah. with family. So uh, my my brother and his wife are in town from Edmonton. So I, I'm hoping to catch uh, catch up with them. But I'm going to watch. There's only a couple games on tonight, so I'm going to sit with my good buddy Jeff Rimmer, who's been in the broadcasting business forever. <laughs> uh, we're going to watch some hockey, and he won't place a bet, but I, I probably will. <laughs> is is he standing right Harder there saying? Is is Rimmer's one of those guys that stands beside you going, "Say my name, say say my name," because you're on the air. <laughs> Say my name. He is a name dropper. Uh, he does have a radio segment in Columbus called Name Dropping with Jeff Rimmer, and it is perfect. You know Rimmer, and, and it's the absolute perfect segment for him. It's, but he's a, not here with me. It's a really different uh, interview with uh, with Rimmer because he drops his own name. Normally people drop other people like Wayne Gradsky or Bobby Orr. Uh, he drops his own name. Uh, uh, Shells, uh, thanks for doing this, pal, and uh, we'll see you at the rink tomorrow. All right, see you tomorrow, Darren. Thank you very much. Be good, buddy. Uh, there's Jody Shelley, one of the uh, seriously one of the best in the business. And we we say that we get a little carried away with it. But if you watch a broadcast with the Columbus Blue Jacks. This guy knows his stuff. 
Like he's and and you're not going to argue with him, right, Chapman? No. When when a guy holds the record for most penalty minutes by a team in a game, generally that's not a guy you want to argue. Is that with. what he does for he, for Columbus? No, for San Jose, 41 oh. penalty minutes in one game. Really? Yes. Not a guy I want to argue with. No. When when you fight Bob Probert multiple times in a game, good chance that I don't want to argue with you. Played over 600 games in the National League. <laughs> Averaged over 200 penalty minutes. I, I, I keep going back to that. Those are guys you don't want to argue with. So so get this. He averaged over 200 penalty minutes a year. Yes. In the National Hockey League. Last year, the leader in the entire National Hockey League in penalty minutes didn't hit 100. It's a different time. Well, they only played 56 games last year. Doesn't matter. I'm just saying. I mean, I'm just saying. But that's a lot Didn't of penalty. Didn't hit 100. That's a lot of penalty minutes. By the way, I know I know you're a uh, Brandon Manitoba guy. When when are they going to give the, you uh, the Darren Millard day in Brandon Manitoba? Who's, because, got, who's got a day coming because up? Because Jody Shelley has a July 13th is uh, Jody Shelley day in Yarmouth, Nova Scotia. Oh, Yarmouth. Oh, really? Yeah. yeah. Nah, he, he made the National Hockey League. Well, you kind of sort of did in a different way. Yeah. They they, they had a, a, a big celebration for me and Brandon one day. It was when I moved. Yeah, I, I was going to say. That's that's when the when the party happened. That, that's generally when, when people celebrate. <laughs> we have our play of the day coming up. We have our ratings for last night's game uh, as well. And VGK one-timers. News and notes from around the National Hockey League. Some uh, interesting stuff that's happened in the last uh, few hours. Why don't we bring it up to date on. And John Shannon mentioned the whole situation in Vancouver. That continues to bubble. It's the VGK Insider Show on Fox Sports Las Vegas. This is the VGK Insider Show on Fox Sports Las Vegas, 98.9 FM and 1340 AM. Now back to Darren Millard and Ryan Wallace. A couple of games on the schedule tonight. Jets and Canucks. That one will be interesting. We'll follow it uh, in the early going because the crowd in Vancouver is nasty. Right now, uh, they are very on edge. And the Avalanche against the uh, Kraken, it's uh, Philip Grubauer against his former team. We'll get into the schedule in uh, a little more detail in hour number two. But right now, it's our play of the day, Zach Whitecloud style. Out in crossing with Stone. Feedback door and Whitecloud, he scores! Zach Whitecloud, welcome back. 2 nothing Golden Knights. Six minutes into the second period. From the face-off, the Knights strike. A point shot from White Cloud, and it was deflected into the goal. 3-1 to one Vegas with 7.28 to go in the second. White Cloud leads the celebration line, wanting to know who touched it. All of his teammates say, wasn't me. Yeah, he asked Nick Wall, Wall went, uh-uh, not me. Yeah, Nick Wall won the faceoff and got it right back to Zach Whitecloud, who shot it in. Actually, went off at Danny DeKaiser's sweater and in. There was a few years ago. It was the All Star Game in Dallas, and something happened there. And I'm glad it didn't take hold. I'll tell you that story when we continue. But the play of the day, courtesy of Dan Duba and Gary Lawless, with the call on Zach Whitecloud's. First ever two-goal game. Hour number two of the VGK Insider Show is coming up next on Fox Sports Las Vegas.